Okay, say some things. Hello. Adventure. Love. Connection. Risk. Passion. Evolution. Play. Life. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Provocative mythology for the 21st century. Aloha, dear listeners. Julianne here. And this is our first ever triple header, super extra long podcast. And it's all about the High Priestess. What in the world does this mysterious figure have to do with the crazy times we're living in? And how do we hold things as sacred in daily life? Well, we asked two very wise women their take on this and more. Part one is Sandera and I starting things off. Part two is a conversation with Rash of Stay Woke Tarot. And part three is a spicy dialogue with Melissa of Little Fox Tarot. So much wisdom and fun. So put those earbuds on and enjoy. Hey, Sandera. Aloha. Aloha, Julianne. Oh, wow. We're both sounding kind of like sexy, scratchy voice today, aren't we? We're smoky, pele high priestesses today. I know. Well, mine's due to allergies and fog, volcanic fog. <laughs> mine's due to singing uh, ukulele around the fire and feeling the springtime over here in San Francisco. Oh, I like that. I like that. So... I think we're uh, I think we're just about right tonally to talk about the high priestess and the priestess archetype. So I'm sure you remember, like last year at some point, I was like, why why is this archetype sort of popping up? Mm-hmm. And and it's funny because it was super strong late last year, sort of late late summer fall. That like it's just I just kept thinking about the high priestess. What's up with the high priestess? Like why? now in our time and in our world is this archetype showing up because it's so you know it is a very feminine archetype it is somewhat mysterious and I was like yeah we need to do a show on it and I talked to Melissa and I talked to these other people and they're like yeah I'm in I want to do this show so we're finally doing it now in you know April and May of 2018 so I that was what I wanted to ask you Sandera is what are you sensing now with this high priestess um, in our times right now. It is, it's such a mysterious archetype. Yeah, it absolutely is. And um, so the high priestess, you know, we've, we've discussed her imagery in our past podcast, and she's often seen with this veil, um, and she's connected to Isis, the, the goddess, of course, um, uh, from Egyptian times. And and there's this 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 cloaked, veiled quality to the high priestess that she has this hidden wisdom. And I think this is an interesting archetype for our time because I think the voice of women and the voice of many powerful women, the, the voice of many women who have been disempowered, these are voices that are beginning to come out from behind the veil at this time. Um, so as we hear these voices and and they cover the news media and uh, we hear them on the radio and uh, and it's this growing phenomenon in the marches and so forth. We're, we're hearing this hidden voice of the high priestess uh, and it's, it's remarkable. So yeah, that I think, I think that hits a really big point of just the feminine voice, um, the Me Too movement, all of these things are kind of happening. And I was sitting back and trying to think of what is the modus operandi of this high priestess character and kind of what, what I got to, you know, in my own thinking was for me, there's a certain point where 
I look at the high priestess, the HP, as a tarot card story, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's its own mythology. It's part of this journey, and you know, it's I think the third one um, on a journey. And you've just kind of come from the magician, and you get to the priestess. So there's a mythological story. There's a purpose to it as a stage. There is the archetype of the sort of the human representation of the goddess, what's happening behind the veil. Um, But then from my point of view as an archetypal consultant, um, I have to go with, okay, who is the priestess in our lives? Who are the people who are, have that priestess archetype? And it doesn't have to be a woman, but I think it's just easier to think about the priestess as being um, embodied by by the feminine in somebody. I guess that's a better way to put it. And what does it look like in the real world? And I think once you, once you jump off the card and put it into the embodied world, um, there is a teacher aspect to it. There is a counselor. There is um, archetypes that we live day to day and that kind of we get embodied. The way I think about it is really how are we in relationship to the goddess, the god, the, the goodness in things and other people and how do we hold things as sacred? So that to me is the role of a priestess is to remind people that everything is sacred, that every moment is sacred. So there's a meditative aspect to it. And from my personal experience as actually a priestess in a way, because I officiate weddings and I've been doing that since I was, gosh, in my early 20s of holding that sacred space. And doing that for people when they're getting when they're getting married or they're renewing their vows. And I mentioned it when in the conversation with Rash uh, that for myself, if I don't take that seriously, if I don't do all of those things, like you know, things don't go well. And that it's really, really an important thing to remember. So, in my thinking, it was like, how do we hold things sacred in our day to day lives? Do we mm-hmm. have practices that bring us back? to remembering the sacred to, and it really isn't like, it's, it's all about remembering. You know, you have to remember that everything is sacred. It's not like you put your attention on it and all of a sudden it is sacred. No, it always was. But how do we, in our human way, our flawed, beautiful, amazing, crazy way, how do we hold that space for ourselves? How do we do that for others? And with so much strife in the world, we the priestesses of the world can can kind of help usher it along you know kind of bring that out and that's really really important but you know what it's not really visible it's it's a feminine archetype so it's not it's about process and community versus just simple agency and doing things so as hippie and woo-woo as that sound is it's really really important to have practices hold your hold yourself in a way that helps enable other people coming to coming to sacred reality that you know everything is sacred does that sound too crazy to you no absolutely not in fact i I, i'm i'm getting some great imagery in my mind as you're talking about that of just the playful practices that we can find that bring the priestess into people's lives and and the way that that's touched me recently is um well, I saw this, I saw uh, the, I think it's from the early 90s, the Tu Wong Fu movie. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 
I realized that uh, if I was a movie, I think I would be too Wong Fu. And, <laughs> um, and, and it's just about, I feel like it has this incredible priestess energy in it because these drag queens that are, you know, going into a part of the United States that has never encountered that phenomenon. Uh, directly and uh, and they they bring incredible insights and magic into and self-reflection into these people's lives um, and it, it inspired me so much that uh, I did a school fundraiser recently I was a greeter and and I that was the archetype I wanted to channel was I want to go total drag queen priestess like is, that is the thing that I need to do <laughs> Oh, that's oh, nope. you posted it on Instagram too. You look right. amazing. Thank you so much. And and it was and it was really funny because not a, not everyone knew that was my intention. And um, one of my colleagues said, "Well, I I mean this very respectfully, but uh, I, I was kind of getting this drag queen pun kind of feel." I was like, "That's that is exactly what I was going for." Oh my gosh. It just helped welcome people and invite people into a space that was, it was sacred and celebratory. And, you know, by putting on the veils or by putting on, playing in these archetypes, I think it awakens some wonderful things for people. (laughs) And it was lots of fun. (laughs) You know, I wish I was there. And um, anybody listening, go to our Facebook, our Instagram, you will see some photos of Sundara in her alien high priestess costume um and and sundara i have to ask you so uh amazing outfit your skirt actually had lights in it which i thought was amazing and it looks like you have kind of a scepter or a wand in one hand and the other hand almost inexplicably um there is it looks like a black lobster claw is that is that what you had on your hand Absolutely. Yes. Well, you know, I needed to be really alien. So that was, uh, and uh, I was sort of, I needed something for the other hand and this was um, quite synchronistic, but um, I was like, where, where am I going to buy just one glove for my other hand? Went to the costume store and uh, thanks to Michael Jackson, I was able to acquire one sparkly sequined glove for the other hand. (laughs) Perfect. Total synchronicity. I think, well, too, I immediately, when I saw the lobster claw, it's this black, looks like furry kind of a lobster claw on one hand. I thought of the moon card with mm, the lobsters at the moon and, you know, my kind of imagery around that. So it's just a little bit crazy. It's a little bit like, what's going on here? But that was beautiful. God, hang on to that costume. I want to borrow it from you. <laughs> you totally can. <laughs> oh, and I love the point you you brought about Tu Mong Fu and the the most recent podcast ahead of this one, there was Sean Nygaard and I were actually talking about Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And yeah, those, that's- those movies kind of, I think Tu Wong Fu came out after that, but there is that sort of discovery, discovery of the feminine holding sacred space. Um, there's a lot kind of in them if you, if you watch these movies with an archetypal eye. So I kind of mm-hmm. like that. It's, it's welcoming. And in all of them, they are men taking on the feminine and uh, not all of them, I think, succeed in actually like truly embodying the, that sort of process community part or not consistently with the exception of Terrence Stamp character. I think she definitely is. Bernice is, is the feminine throughout. So, oh, I love it. I love it. I love bringing kind of these ideas like the high priestess 
to our lives to really look at, you know, how they're showing up, who they are, um, how can we as people who I'm assuming want to have good things in the world, want to be part of it, to kind of take a look at what are, what are the qualities that we have in ourselves already and what are the qualities that are wanting to come forward and that we can, we can help those qualities come out by, I think sacred practices are important. People who yeah. meditate, people who have mindfulness, and I think there's a good deal to do with nature to remember that, you know, we are connected to the flora and the fauna of the world. You know, I think the witch archetype too is, is obviously related. It's something that I think in modern times, unless you are Wicca or you are pagan or, or have some of those practices, it is, it's a reviled archetype. Um, but I really do see it as being a, a part of the Venn diagram of what the priestess is in the world and specifically related to nature. You know, how do we hold that sacred presence in the world and, and use our powers for good? And so it's going to be interesting. I think the next conversation that we have in this podcast episode, it's a triple header, quadruple header, because you and I count as two. But when I talk to Melissa, it'll be interesting to see what she has has to say so yeah i'm very excited about your interviews and um and you know what you're bringing and pulling together in this high priestess dialogue uh and very excited to see what comes from it yeah and more of the more characters because it's just kind of a fun one in the way that like i think the high priestess you know she's not a glammy she's not as interesting um i think on the surface but i think that's the entire point of the high priestess stage is there is it is a process it's not glammy there's way more to it that i think in a way you don't even talk about because it's experiential it's that mm -hmm. intuitive side of things it's it's that territory that is difficult for most of us to to traverse or to enter into because it's the not obvious you know it is subtle it's water, it's things as they ripple. Um, it's, you know, related to the moon card because it's, it's not an analog, straightforward, this is how things are. It's kind of like an entire realm that we have to almost quiet the rational mind, quiet the mind that has to name everything and be sure of everything. It is mm -hmm. like this beautiful sense of potentiality and incompleteness. I think as humans, we, we want to complete everything. We want everything to be, have parts that we can name and, you know, a chronology and all of these organizational structures. Whereas the epitome of the feminine is wholeness, is organicness, but it's an ever-changing, moving thing that defies that kind of, I would call it a kind of a masculine approach to organize things. So mm. that disorganization and just beingness of it is, it's difficult for, for many of us. I know it is for me. And I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm guessing that my intuitive hunch over the last six months over why, why this archetype keeps coming up is asking us to explore it for ourselves and to be present with it. You know, I think even explore kind of means you have to go and come up with something and create a path and a plan. And sort of like, no, I think it's messy. I think it's watery energy. It's emotional, but like, to really like make space for that and to realize it's important. 
Yeah, I would love to hear um, in response to some of these recordings that you do if our listeners want to reach out in which ways the high priestess shows up for them and in what forms. Uh, very interesting in this period of time to see what that is. Yeah, I am hoping we get tons of conversation when I post this podcast. Everybody can just show up on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook if they want to email us. Um, I'm really interested in that too, because I do believe that we are part of a collective evolution and that, you know, we're, we are connected in ways that we can't even fathom, you know. Yeah. And the, the high priestess is this number two card, which really introduces the idea of relationship of communication, um, both (laughs) within ourselves and with others. Um, so, and I have been you know, studying the tarot as the tool, I think, of the priestess, particularly in our work. And uh, it's interesting to look at things in the, in the number sense and to see those uh, number two cards that show up in the larger tarot as sort of tools and uh, to see how those might be showing up in some of your practices that you're doing as a priestess. So, so when you're looking at the two of the swords, the two of cups, the two of wands, the mm-hmm. two of uh, pentacles. And I, I'm really enjoying going to this deeper layer of the tarot. And, um, and also, you know, if you add the numbers together in some of the larger cards as the judgment card is card number 20, so two plus zero, you can look at how the ju- judgment card is connected to the high priestess. And uh, also the card number 11, the strength card uh, relates to the high priestess. And, uh, and this is, of course, um, a book that goes deeply into those sorts of connections is the Tarot Handbook by Angela Sarian. So uh, I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with, with her amazing work, but uh, that's a, a, a way to really sink your teeth into these deeper connections inside of the Tarot w- world, which is super <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of embodied priestess, Angelus Arian is definitely one of those people. Um, and I, I mentioned Jean Houston, who I studied with um, mm-hmm. a lot of, I think, our, our specifically feminine uh, spiritual teachers do embody the, the priestess archetype, bringing the sacred and, and uh, you know, but there's a leadership part of it too, but it's not a leadership in I'm going to show up and you follow me. It's, it's more like a really, really embodied sense that, that and I, I kind of feel it in myself. There's, it's no accident that I'm marrying people and being a wedding officiant, like, uh, duh, priestess. But um, I really do believe that if, if I wasn't able to embody that archetype, people would yeah. not be coming to me to That's perform right. their weddings. Do you know what I mean? Like it is, right. uh, it is something that is embodied and, and I was like 22 when a friend asked me to offici- help officiate their wedding. And I've never done that before. It never even really occurred to me. And, you know, they came to me going, oh, no, you'd be great at this. And I'm like, wait, what? Me? I'm a photographer. I'm, you know, I'm in, you know, I just graduated from art school. So, you know, people, people know more about us, I think, sometimes than we do. It's, I think, with an archetype, frequently you can try to downplay it. But it's always there. It's always needed for something. Um, and I, you know, I'm definitely feeling much energy and, and blessing and honor from doing that, performing weddings for people, officiating for people, showing up for them in that way. It is such an honor 
and I, I am realizing it's part of my, you know, soul path or part of what I'm here to do. Um, and, you know, I enjoy it. So this is our official introduction to this triple header podcast, quadruple header podcast. First time ever experiment with uh, several voices all about the high priestess. So hopefully this works out and we'll do more. Absolutely. Well, thank you for launching this, Julianne, this conversation, and I uh, can't wait to hear the interviews to follow. Yeah, I know. Me too. And we have um, showing up, this is a recording that will be Hawaii, San Francisco, California. We're going to have Missouri, and then we have Zurich, Switzerland. So, you know, we have, we are bringing together thousands of miles and uh, some really bright, bright, brilliant minds who I love. So. I'm excited for it too. Thanks, Sandra. I'm so glad we could do this. Oh, thanks, Julianne. Part two of the lowdown on the High Priestess is a conversation with Rashonda Tramble of Stabogue Tarot. Now, Rash is an African American immigrant living in Switzerland, and she has this amazing blog and website, which, if you haven't checked out already, you must do. It's staywoketarot.com. You can also book a reading with her on her website. And for sure, make sure you're following her on Instagram at Stay Woke Tarot. And here's my conversation with Rash. Rash, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Well, nice to finally meet you also, Julian. Thank you very much for the invitation. Oh, uh, absolutely. Oh. I'm excited to have you on the show. Not only are you an amazing human being, you have um, a really fantastic blog. And I love following your Instagram feed and we've been enjoying what you've got to offer us. And a while back you came on as a patron, which thank you so much for that. Seriously, it's, it's amazing. And so I'm excited that you could be on the show talking about the high priestess. Wow. Well, thank you. And, and geez, thanks for all, all of what you said. It's interesting because I didn't put the blog up or do the Instagram to get any type of, um, I don't know, any, any type of attraction or whatever. It was just, I wanted to get my feelings out there. Mm. I have started doing readings somewhat, but that wasn't the focus of it. I just, you know, I had something to say and I said, Hey, let me just put it out there and then that's it. So yeah. So thank you very much. You are welcome. And yes, the universe responds in kind. And people show yeah, up cool. and they're like, uh, your unique voice is important. And I think that's, that's kind of how these things end up happening almost organically. And it's almost better that way, I think, than when yeah, people yeah. front load everything with, I'm going to do this. You know, they have that, that kind of masculine idea of goal. Here's what I do to reach it. And that's fine. That's one model. But I think, especially what we're talking about today is, a more feminine principled archetype and that's mm -hmm. and that's the priestess which mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what is it that it's the third card in the deck yes. or fourth yes. depending on how people look at how it how you count it yeah but to me it's always like i don't know it gets skipped over a lot i don't know that the high priestess gets a ton mm -hmm. of attention um, not as much as the empress mm -hmm. in terms not of not as feminine. much as the empress in terms of the feminine, people have a tendency, at least in my opinion, have a tendency to focus on the empress. But the high priestess deserves uh, credit, too. Yeah, in terms of, so my my thought on the high priestess and that kind of getting ignored, it's, it's 
in a way it makes sense because it's a feminine, it's a feminine character and it's pretty mysterious, right? The, mm-hmm. the images that are held, there's like, what is she doing? Like she's, she's not a very open, uh, generally openly drawn because it's, right. it's an internal space. Right. That's kind of what she, she's she, about. She operates sort of under the, um, the surface of the lake, you could say. Yeah. You know, she's not exactly this, she's not in the fast speeding boat saying, hey, look at me or whatever. She's just sort of, you know, going along, doing her business, and you don't see what she's doing. You feel it like a ripple, but you don't see it. Exactly. And I think, yeah, um, yeah. it was months and months ago, actually, that I was talking with uh, another guest that will be on this show is um, Melissa from Little Fox Tarot. Yeah. She yeah. and I had a long you know, curse-ridden conversation, which is fun. Yeah. But at the end of that, in our own personal chit-chat, I was like, I'm feeling a high priestess lately. Let's talk about that later. So just mm-hmm. now it's coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just wanted, what are your thoughts on this powerful feminine, powerful in a very feminine way, yeah, card and I, story? Yeah, I, this is something, uh, I mean, we mentioned a little bit earlier that I'm sort of trying to wrap my head around myself, this concept of the high priestess and thinking about exactly what is a priestess. And I do know that in tarot, uh, there is a very, uh, very worthy movement about having different representations of what the high priestess is or what a high priestess looks like or whatever. But even still, um, you know, we all have, this archetype or a part of this, this high priestess in ourselves. But if you don't see that externally, you don't know how to recognize it in yourself. Um, so that's sort of what I'm, I'm going through right now. I mean, it's very easy to say I'm a high priestess if you're all dressed up and you have the long flowing hair and in this and that or whatever. But for me, it's like, do I have the ability to see the high priestess in myself when I'm bloated when, you know, yeah. When, you know, you, 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 your face is all broken out and you, 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 you're sitting there with the, you know, a, a, a can of Pringles and like some chocolate. <laughs> on the side. I mean, that's, you know, can't, d- does it always have to be this, um, does a high priestess always have to be this regal put together, uh, yeah. put together, um, you know, apparently the card, the high priestess card is descended from the, the popus card. Mm-hmm. You know, does it, does the priestess always have to be that, that regal and so, yeah, put together. And that's my personal thing that I'm going through with it right now. I think, um, a while ago when, um, I think I posted something saying, I can't remember if I said it was the priestess or the oracle or something, or, or the priestess or the empress. But I posted the Oracle from uh, Matrix Boom. on my Instagram. Boom. Yeah. Saying, you know, this is what I think of or this is what comes to my mind when I think of, you know, a magical woman, mm-hmm. not someone. I mean, of course, nothing against wands, affames, anything like that, mm-hmm. nothing against it, but just someone in their kitchen sitting there making magic. It could be your, your grandmother. It could be your mom, just someone just just normal. Yeah. So it's my long-winded explanation of where I am right now in this. Well, that's perfect, actually. And I think that's something that Sundara and I 
at some point realized what we were doing with this podcast is just like, we need to make this stuff real to people to kind of bring it down off the page, off the card, off the movie screen. Mm -hmm. So we can see how they're operating in and of ourselves. So if, if we agree that these are universal stories, universal archetypes, and I think a lot of tarot decks that have come out in the last, I don't know, 15 years are doing a very good job of going, this is what it really looks like to us. You know, Mm -hmm. it's nice to have Mm -hmm. these ancient icons to look at, which, you know, I think the Rider Waite is ancient enough that it is in that status along with the Marseille and the others. But you're exactly right. Who is this priestess now? Mm -hmm. Who is she now? And the Oracle in the Matrix is spot on. And no, she's not dressed in these robes. But, you know, as everyone knows, if you've seen that movie, she is very much treated as and she acts as the high priestess. And she's mysterious but she's yes. warm, you know, mm-hmm. she's warm mm-hmm. and she's loving. And, and to me, the reason I just immediately madly and fell in love with that character was her, she owned that space when Neo comes in, you know, and he's looking for mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. I need to know. And this for him is life and death. And she's just like, she's got this knowingness about her that's just like, it's all going to work out. And yeah. you yeah. sweet little fool come in here, you know. Exactly. And- that's, yeah, yeah. You exactly. Know, let me give you a hug. Let me, you know, here's a cookie. Here's a yeah. Here's, here's a cookie. cookie. Here's a cookie. Yeah, or candy. It was a candy. Would you like yeah. a candy or something yeah. like that? But yeah. So that's sort of what I'm processing right now. Mm-hmm. I think also, especially in terms of being aware of being, you know, I like to say staying woke or being woke. Why don't? What's going on in society that is making me question? my high priestessness, mm. you know, being aware of that, being aware of what's making, what's making me go, well, wait, why don't I feel this way or whatever? And I think that's very important too. That's you have to important. learn. Yeah. You, you have to, um, you have to learn that. I, especially in my case, you know, I'm an African-American woman living in Switzerland and I step on on a street, like I go to the train station and, you know, you, you see, mm. Lots of, you know, beautiful women who um, they're tall, they're, they don't have hips, they, you know, <laughs> that nature. Um, and even the advertising here, it's, you know, directed towards uh, a particular type of woman, at least advertising for women. Right. Uh, right. Plastic surgery is big here. Really? Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Plastics and things of that nature, you know, uh, ads for liposuction. So you, it's, it's a, it's two things. It's learning how to recognize, or I need to learn how to recognize a priestess in myself, Mm -hmm. but also question, okay, why, why don't I, Mm. you know, my up again. So yeah, that's another thing too. The, the high priestess, because the, the nature, so much of it is internal. It is. And like you mentioned earlier, you, you feel the ripple in the water, but you're not, you know, so it's not about so much that is external and when a society is being fed all of this external stuff uh the posters how things are advertised to i will bet you no matter who it is on the street even if they look just like what they're being told they need to look like Mm -hmm. inside of them is still that feminine force that that I think will rebel against all of those external things. Something about the priestess mm-hmm. brings you internal and reminds you that that's important as well. And in fact, more important because 
isn't it if you're coming from the deep well of authenticity within you and you're bringing it mm -hmm. externally all of that advertising and stuff doesn't matter it shouldn't matter exactly exactly and it, it will I, I think I mean honestly for me I think it's gotten to that point where I do ignore it but that's the thing you have it in yourself to say okay that's nice or yeah that you know this is nice that's nice but I'm okay with who I am and mm -hmm. I can make my own magic inside of myself yeah I think that's it's really important especially with the high priestess to realize that you you have the, it's the high priestess is sort of uh, I think I read this somewhere it's sort of the You've got the magician in a magician card that's like, hey, look at me, look at all my tools, look at all the stuff I can do with all my accoutrements, whatever mm -hmm. you, whatever that is. But with the high priestess, she's just sort of sitting there and saying, you know, I don't, I don't need all that. I mean, it's nice, you know, you've mm -hmm. got nice shiny stuff, but you know, I, I think I'm okay with what I have, and I think that's really important with the the high priestess too, especially when you pull that card in uh in a in a spread or is this part of a reading you've got the magician saying yes i can do it all and i have all the tools but there's sort of a um uh the person may not be sure of themselves and they need to be told you have all the tools that you mm -hmm. need to get this done whereas with the high priestess it's more of if it comes up in a spread i'll say you know you know that you know that you know mm-hmm yeah so if that, that that's sort of how how I see the high priestess is like you, you you know you know you know you, you that it's there you just need to just go ahead and address it and embrace it yeah and and go yeah and no one no one can do it for you and I think that's the point of in the oracle the oracle in the matrix you know he's there to be like dispense your answer lady and she's mm -hmm. just basically like boop, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you have to do it on the inside. You, you have to do that recognition. No mm -hmm. one else can do it for you. No matter how much they want to, you have to come to those realizations yourself. And that's yeah. difficult. That's yeah. difficult. It's, yeah. Didn't that also happen in, uh, the wizard of Oz? Mm -hmm. yep. It's the same thing. Dorothy was like, it's, a, <laughs> it's gotta be the shoes. And it's like, no, it's always been inside of you. It's not, it's not the shoes. You're it's not, not the wizard. Player. It's, no, not, the, it's, it's not, the not the wizard. wizard. It's, it's you. It's you. You're the one that can do it. So yeah. Um, so that's sort of my relationship with the priestess, I guess. And also when um, you're going through a time when you're getting older and you know the saddlebags are coming or whatever. It's <laughs> I mean, it's easy to think of yourself as a high priestess when you're young and, oh, yeah, I got it going on. But, you know, like I said in the beginning, it's, you know, when, you know, you start seeing the wrinkles or when you start seeing the, you know, things happening to your body, you're still a priestess. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think of the high priestess also as the sage. And there's the archetypal journey between the maiden, the mother, and the crone, or mm -hmm. maiden, mother, sage. And the, priest, the, the high priestess is very much a sage. In fact, the word sage and burning of sage is a purification. So to me, uh, and I'm, you know, I ain't getting any younger. Um, we just, <laughs> we're the same age. We're the same age. <laughs> it's a paradigm shift. 
right? And there's, and I, there are people that I know who are good 15, 20 years older than me, but when they've talked about when they had that realization that youth and the idea of youth and the tight skin and all of the things that go with that was, you know, important, but the, the values that they have realized as they got older did never belonged in youth. They couldn't have because they needed to happen over time and through experiences, both good and bad. So they realized they could feel their value better as they got older and that that paradigm of youth was something that they realized that that younger person is still inside of them, but it's not the most valuable thing. It's still a very externally yeah. focused. And I think the high priestess is one of at least several cards because the hermit tells you to go back in as well or you're in yes. your internal. So mm -hmm. this feminine representative of, you know, if you're a young person and you get that, it's just frustrating because you need speed and you want stuff to happen. The magician just gave you tools. Now you got to sit here. Now you have to yeah. trust this feminine nature. It's the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I think our culture just doesn't value it all that much. And, no. you know, we all, we're all about agency, but she brings you to process and community. Sort of mm -hmm. like those are internal things, but they're really, really nutritious, right? They're, yeah. when yeah. you're relating with a group of people and you're able to be with them authentically, that is actually way more satisfying than the go get this thing. Because once you have that thing, you got to share it, right? Once you've mm -hmm. achieved something and you're in your youth, but if you don't have any friends and you don't have community, it's just, why would you even want to have it anymore? It's again about relationship and yeah. moving towards that. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's about relationships. It's, uh, it's about your external relationships, but also your internal relationship too, like with yourself. Uh, with people who have passed on, with with your your ideas, it's 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 that too. They're connected. I believe it's all connected. So let's. I've got a um, and I love these shows because we can talk to different types <laughs> of people. And what? Who? Who are the other people that are representing the high priestess who show up? And we know its nature isn't something that will necessarily be out front and center just because it's very nature is it's guarded. Mm -hmm. It's relaxed. It's, it's not guarded in a masculine way. It's just got this such a strong pulse of feminine energy that it radiates that sort mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. you, the boundary is there. It's a veil, but it's there. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. Find who, you know, I think in the star Wars episode, we talked about um, general or Admiral Holdo who was Laura Dern's character, purple hair. Ah, yes, yes. <clears throat> and how frustrating she was because yes. to the audience and to me too, it was like, come on lady, just explain. But no, she held yeah. it. She's like- She helped in. She's like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, she did, yeah. She's a very good example of a high priestess where she's, she was operating under the water, mm -hmm. under, you know, just no one could, there were ripples. You could see like, lady, what is going on? But she didn't broadcast yeah. what she was doing or her plan or anything like that. So there's, there's the idea that the priestess just simply transmits this sort of like water type energy, those ripples. But 
there's also more of a present speaking, uh, transmitting energy and wisdom to people. Um, Jean Houston mm -hmm. very much was that. She had uh, a priestess sort of set of her body and she was teaching us archetypes and mythology and processes. She was very, very, um, the reason I loved going to study with her after Carolyn Mace is because we had these embodied processes that she was teaching us to do that will work our minds and get more, more, more things working. You know, your, your sense of your five senses, getting engaged with problem solving, um, uh, sacred dance, all those things that get things embodied. So I think a priestess can, can be a feminine leader teaching and getting other people to bring all of the elements of themselves into what they're doing. So it's both process and product. Mm -hmm. It's agency and community. This is where I'm going to say something slightly. It's, it's, I agree with what you're saying in terms of the high priestess leading or whatever, but I think the high priestess also needs to learn or also knows when not to lead. Mm hmm the, he or she also, because I also believe that the qualities of high priestess can can be for males or females. Oh, absolutely. They, yeah, so they, this person knows, hey, here is someone maybe younger or whatever that needs some energy. Mm -hmm. They would make a very good leader. They would be someone who could be at the forefront. Let me lend my energy to this person. Now, that young person may not even realize it, but just... The, the high priestess can give them that little push and say, okay, mm -hmm. go ahead and get out there. It's your turn. So I, I sort of see that too as not just a, you know, sometimes we have this idea of the, the woman sitting on her throne and everyone is gathered around, but I think the high priestess can also be one of the people gathered around and just sort of sending energy mm -hmm. to that person that is on that is on the throne that's also operating under the water yeah yeah no it's true i think it's it's one of those it's i think what it comes down to is the you know the priestess energy if it's embodied yes. in the feminine is a representation of goddessness so if you are the human mm -hmm. version of that you're or the oracle all of those kind of come the oracle archetype priestess, high priestess, they're the feminine representation of the goddess. And that's what fre people frequently say. Um, and I, I agree, but they, they can transmit that energy and do it from a very quiet place, but also can basically people can come to that priestess for sacred ceremony. Yes. And uh, I know for myself, I, I made, um, mistakes are often our best teachers and almost always a good teacher but um, I didn't prepare the way that I knew I should have for a ceremony and I have over the years kind of built up what that is but um, you're holding an energetic space you're not just saying words you're not just saying this and that those are all very important but you are literally holding a space for people to commit in in this case commit to a marriage inside of that circle so the energetic element, and if, and for me, I didn't, you know, get all of the prep that I needed to done from the the very physical things, but really the emotional, spiritual stuff. So I realized after that service, I, I it was fine. The couple was fine, but I knew I wasn't holding that space, and I let other people's kind of energy break it 
I do Hawaiian chants. So there's a Hawaiian mm-hmm. chant that's part of one of my ceremonies. And I let myself get rattled. So that chant was not performed perfectly. Um, not that they would even know necessarily. These people weren't um, from here. But the point is for the learning point of the priestess after that, I just, I couldn't sleep for days. Because oh, I didn't wow. do it. Okay. And, and certain mistakes to other people are like, yeah, whatever. But like, that was a priestess lesson for me. So the, so the requirement for a priestess, not just the knowledge, not just holding that feminine, but all of the things around the preparation for being able to hold that energy, to hold that space, to be really, really holding that feminine <laughs> space everything that needs to be done. So if we look at the, the magician in the things you learn, the practices, the meditations, the chants that I do for myself, the sage ceremony. So after, you know, three, it was like three days and three nights of me just really beating myself up over it. But I, you know, I didn't want to throw that whole experience out. I was like, okay, every night when I woke up thinking about how horrible I felt that I didn't do what I was supposed oi. to do. Oh, yeah. exactly. And it was, it was so strong in me, but I realized what would the priestess do? It's like, you learn, you hold that, that was difficult and I will know better from now on. I will, you know, those, the sacredness of the preparation that I do has to be done and it is sacred. And what had happened with that ceremony is I was running late. I only did half the mantra in the car on the way there. So I did not. As you were driving. Yes. I didn't honor the goddess. I didn't honor the goddess within me. I didn't do the things that I knew that needed to be done. I cut corners and it really would have been better for me to have been a little bit late then and to do what I needed to do. So it brought me back into the feminine, the internal. There are things that I need to do, but those processes, the things I need to do, bring me back to that goddess center, God, goddess center. So Mm -hmm. I can do what I am there to do, whether the people who hired me to do it or not, you know, it it didn't matter about them. It's like my, what I offer to them, I bring no matter what. And they, you know, they can receive that. And I could kind of tell like throughout the ceremony that like part of what I was supposed to be transmitting wasn't being received. And that is, that is a very priestess sort of like experience to have, but difficult lesson mm-hmm. to this day I can like go oh mm-hmm. yeah but then when you get it right you really get it right and you can feel it yes that's the thing that's the thing but one thing I thought about especially I, you know you you're in a uh spiritual business in terms of being a reverend and, and you you've married the priestess with what you do in your mm-hmm. life but like for someone who you know I've had corporate jobs um that sort of you have to find ways, different ways of bringing that that priestess element into the office. I, I can think of a situation where uh, I was in a very, this is years ago, I was in a very, very tough, on a very tough conference call. And for me to still remember this thing even years ago, it, it's, 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 it made an impact. Um, a really tough conference call, and one of the gentlemen uh, that was on the call with me, he basically it was some ideas, you know, people were trying to pitch and, and he basically was very aggressive and said, you know, 
you all are going to let me get my point across no matter what, or I'm going to, he said something like, rammed a presentation down our throats. I can't remember what it was, but, um, and every, yeah, but everyone was pretty shocked. And then I just sort of, I closed my eyes and I just said, I've got to change the energy in this room. I've got to change the energy in this room. I've got to, you know, okay, let me try that. And then still during the conference call, I said his name and then I said, breathe. And everyone just sort of stopped. And I said, take a breath in, take a breath out. And everyone just said, just said, oh my gosh, what is she doing? And I, I was like, this is just, we got to take it down a couple of notches. Yeah. And I think that's also where you can bring your priestess energy mm-hmm. in, uh, into the workplace, into particular situations where you need some, I hate saying wisdom because that's mm-hmm. slightly arrogant thing, but just you need someone who can just create this spiritual space where there isn't any at that moment. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of create that magic to to do that, to create that bubble. You know, of course, I didn't make my little cosmic bubble around it, but I just closed my eyes and I said, okay, we got to change this. Yeah. This is not going anyway. Yeah. That is and a, so I think that's another way. Yeah. That's a perfect example of how it can be in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess what I'm getting from this conversation is, and that it's, it's a term that almost gets overused, but that, that holding space, the elemental, your own energy, your relationship with the people around you, you know, mm-hmm. not, I mean, people will get sort of the high energy, angry kind of stuff that's happening, but most people wouldn't do anything about it other than protect themselves, right? People go back yes. into their own corners yes. and, yes. you know, you let the bully win basically, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. um, the handling of yourself, the knowingness, mm-hmm. the inner knowingness, and mm-hmm. you just followed your instincts. You're just like, this yeah. can happen. And I'm sure. And just- I, yeah, I, and I, in that conference room, I'll never forget. I saw people shrinking back like, oh my God, you know, this guy is really about to pop. You know, and people are like, Where, where's the door? And I just said, okay, something's got to happen here. We can't, you know, we, we cannot let the screaming and hollering continue. And so that's why I just, I did what I did. But anyone, I think all of us have the power to do that. Mm-hmm. You just need to learn how to get in touch with it. Yeah, I think that's, that's, the, that's the most important thing. We all have the capacity to be high priestesses. And it's, uh, I think this is a good way to wrap it up. The, I used to call it presence of mind years and years ago, but it really is just, it's, it's not even mindfulness because mindfulness is just about the mind. I think with the feminine, it's heartedness. It's hearted and minded. You know what I mean? There's, there is the aware, you're able to stay present to understand what's happening, but you're centered also in your heart and you're centered in something that's much more rooted in the earth. You know, the, the priestess isn't flying. She's not a spirit flying off and showing you the air. She's about the water and the earth. So that ability to have a practice, to practice mindfulness that then leads you to hardness, to the authenticity, to the realizing that you, you're so centered in that, that just your presence brings people kind of a little bit closer to that in themselves. And then you can do external things as well, like speaking up and saying something and going, breath, take a breath. Mm. That is, I think, 
a big part of it. You think that's seems yes. to me like that's what you did. Yeah, yeah. I think just just to just to connect, it's connecting the 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 heart mm-hmm. and the mind, and that's magic in itself. That's what we we're talking about in terms of the internal. Uh, working that magic internally, using that high priestess power to make that happen. So, Rash, wow, I've I've seriously loved this conversation, and I've gotten a lot out of it for me to think about for myself. Are we going to save you, Julian? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I mean, like I said, I'm on this path of uh, accepting this inner high priestess and what to do with that, and and this talk has been great in terms of helping me along that path. So thank you very much for that. And me too. Me too. I think, but there is something about right now in 2018 that, I don't know, I'm personally drawn to kind of like talk about it because I don't know, there's so much strife in the world. Mm -hmm. There's so much of that mind, 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 war, war that like, maybe it's difficult to try to bring that priestess in, but maybe that's what we're being asked to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Bring in some more of that energy, yeah, to balance it out. To recognize that that's, it's there and, and potentially, I don't know, I'm guessing potentially way more powerful than we even give it credit for. Because she operates under the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part three of The Lowdown on the High Priestess is a dialogue with author and card slinger Melissa of Little Fox Tarot. She's been slinging tarot cards and teaching classes since 1989. She can be found in the St. Louis area and online for personal readings, parties, and beginner to advanced tarot classes. Her first book, Kitchen Table Tarot, was released in 2017, and her new book, Tarot Elements, Five Readings to Reset Your Life will be out in February of 2019. You can find her at littlefoxtarot.com on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And go ahead and schedule a reading with her because she already knows you want one. And here is our funny and explicit conversation with Melissa of Little Fox Tarot. Hi, Melissa. Hi, how are you? We're pretending that we just got on the phone with each other. Isn't that clever? <laughs> Did I not tell you Sagittarius just cannot lie? I'm not yeah. good at this. Uh, Hi, go. Sugar. Hi. Uh, it's good to connect with you again. And um, I remember at the end of the podcast that we did um, together last year, we talked a little bit about the HP, the High Priestess. Um, yes. This is like eight months ago because I personally was kind of feeling that archetype come up. And I'm like, what? Wait, why? This is, is this helpful? She's not helpful. She's just sitting there like she's holding on to shit. We don't know, you know, so like, but it's, it's been really, really strong with me. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to ask amazing people about this tarot card, about the archetypes. And, you know, if you can answer the question, why the bloody hell is this coming up now with all this crazy shit happening in our world? You know, what? maybe we'll start with when you see the high priestess show up in a reading. What, what are your thoughts? What's your kind of go-to for situation of, with the HP? You know, it, it, you know, obviously with tarot, it depends on the reading and the person and the placement and the blah mm-hmm. and the blah, blah. What generally I see, though, and it's taken me a really hard time to put myself in this place, is that that's them coming to me for answers mm-hmm. um, that they're seeking. And maybe it's not me. Maybe it's a teacher or maybe it's someone that's already in their life or whatever 
number, but what it tells me is that they're looking for answers. And if I see it in a specific placement, maybe that they already have the answers and they really don't need to be asking the question. They just need to look and figure out what it is. Um, so it, it's really dependent upon the reading and the person, but it's, it's that, you know, I, I don't know where can I look for answers or can you help me? Like it's, it's always a request. And I found that I can tell if it's me, right? That it's, it's the tarot reader showing up. If it's the first card I throw down, I'm like, well, you called me. Good job. Here we go. This is the first step on the path to figuring out what's going on. Um, and then I try to figure out from them, what is the specific question they're asking? And I'm actually kind of writing a book about this right now. Um, but like, I have a lot of people call me and they'll say, um, am I going to die alone or, and a cat's going to eat my eyeballs. <laughs> I'm never going to find any worries about that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not what they're asking. What they're asking is why am I alone? And what that actually means is what is it about me that I need to shift? So I stop bringing assholes into my life willingly or that I stop isolating myself or whatever. So to me, the high priestess is kind of looking through the question to what it actually is, if that makes sense. It's kind of that drilling down. It's like getting getting below the surface of, no, you're not gonna die alone and your cats aren't gonna eat your face. However, what is it about you that makes you think that having a person will make you happy? Why do you think that this is the only thing that you can do to, to have happiness in your life is, is that you have to find a person, you have to check that box and then everything's going to be okay. Let's look at why you're not okay first, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, the have finding a good question and, uh, that's, that's most of the journey. I think in a lot of cases, um, when, so Sundar and I, one of the patron level or awards is, and Sundar and I don't really actively do readings, although that could be changing soon. Long story short, we right. both of us will, you know, for people who sign up at a certain level, what we realized pretty quickly in doing that, which is just a few readings, you know, a year is really, really looking at what the question is rather than asking them to write a paragraph about what they're curious mm -hmm. about. I mean, that's helpful too. It's helpful to just, you know, get that out of your, your head into some sort of written form, but to really, and so what I ended up coming up with were example questions that they could kind of meditate on and look at to go, oh, is that the deeper level of what you're really doing? Right, they right, yeah. Archetypal questions. So it's that even before the reading has begun, there's work that needs to be done and that kind of gets you halfway. And mm -hmm. it's been fascinating because Sundara and I will kind of give our, our answers separately. She'll be doing, pulling a card and writing something up where she is and I'm doing the same. Um, and I combine them into one email and send them. And oh, cool. it's really, really interesting. But I think it gets to the point of the high priestess. Um, she sits on her throne. The imagery is very, um, it's very archetypal in that most cards have that representation of the feminine figure the columns behind her but it's that sitting in place for a while being with whatever it is and then the you know being invited to look through the veil or, you know what is behind it and that what's behind the curtain you, yeah. and i almost envision it as like you you can't really approach the high priestess archetypally until you've actually it's like she's not going to say a damn word until you have the right no. question 
and you better use your manners. <laughs> yes. Like there's a there's an element of of a, a demand of respect with that card. And I always think about, you know, the old oracles and um the Sphinx and and you know, and the never ending story, which is one of my favorite books and movies, where, you know, if you doubt yourself or if if you're you step off of the path or start wondering why you're doing this, they're gonna zap you with their eye lasers and you're gonna be fucking toast, right? And I, I feel like that kind of confidence is required when you ask the deeper questions and stand in front of her and, and make your request is that you have to know for certain what you want and who you are so that you can get the answer that will serve you. Because if, if, if you're calling me to say, you know, the cat's going to eat my face, that's not the answer to that. Yes or no is not going to help you at all in your life. Nothing that won't help you at all. But if I tell you, you have some trauma in your past that you need to deal with so that you can have a, a comfortable relationship with yourself so that you can then bring people towards you who are also whole or getting there or working on it or whatever, that will get you somewhere. Knowing that you're not going to be alone when you die, who the fuck cares? It doesn't fucking matter. Nobody cares. And it's not important. Knowing that you're a whole integrated person who, who then deserves love who then can see that they deserve love. That's important, you know? It's a lot of pressure to stand in front of that chick, you know? I think it requires dropping a lot of ego. Um, I always think of the high priestess, even though it's feminine, it's air, it's water, the symbol of the moon. And, and you know, the, to me, there's a big relationship between the moon and the high priestess. And the moon is frequently kind of, it's craziness. Like there could be craziness. So, so don't come with that. You know, you've got to be like both feet on the ground, kind of drop, drop the artifice mm-hmm. of whatever your sort of like your initial concern is and come with that and come with that. And in that case, you, you'll be able to see what happens next. But if you come with all the craziness and the bouncing around crazy monkey mind, you're not going to be able to see anything. You will just no. be what you're afraid of. So. And it, it's kind of, and to go back to the never ending story, which is clearly the font of my knowledge, um, <laughs> when when he gets to the end, like he makes it through the sphinxes and he stands in front of a mirror and it shows you who you really are, right? So I think, I don't know if I talked about this last time. I gave a reading one time. I had reflective sunglasses on because I was sitting outside and I had my aviators on. And the person said, you're freaking me out because all I can see is me when I talk to you. And I'm like, that's kind of the point, sis. The point is, is that you come to me so you can see yourself more clearly. And I think that that's the role of the high priestess is that people, people hit the high priestess when they need to see themselves more clearly. And it's really fucking scary to see yourself clearly because you have to clear away all of the things that you show other people and all of the artifice and all of the, you know, I'm fine, and Facebook posts that show that your life is perfect and all of that shit falls away. And you're naked saying, how can I be authentic? How can I get to the best me? How do I do this? Please tell me, because what I'm doing now isn't working. Or I wouldn't be standing here, right? Yeah, I'm thinking of other, the archetypal characters in film and television. I mean, they're, you know, you can look at the fairy godmothers. They're all... You know, it's like I always think of things as a Venn diagram. You have the solid sort of archetype in the middle, but then you know, I'm thinking the blue fairy in 
Pinocchio and, you know, you want to be real, that wish mm -hmm. to be a real boy and the blue fairy granting that. And it's symbolic, you know, yeah. a meta story is quite possibly the answer is you are more amazing than you can ever imagine, but you need to start imagining it. And by doing that, you need to drop a bunch of crap and let all of that go. To Cut see those strings, baby. Yes. Or even Agra, you know, like from the Dark Crystal. It smells like Gelfling, sounds like Gelfling, must be Gelfling. You know, this is who you are. True. This is true. a true thing, you know. And um, I love Agra, by the way. She's my favorite. But, <laughs> but it's her, her entire job is to say, this is who you are. This is the path that you're on. This is how the story needs to end. Here's the tool you need to, to do this, to, to end the story, this, you know, uh, fool's journey that you're on. But the answer, he didn't want the answers. He, he wanted someone to tell him everything was going to be okay. And that is not her job. If you want comfort, you need to go to the Empress. You don't need to go to the High Priestess because she doesn't give a shit about comforting you. That's not her job. And to some degree, I actually just blogged about this, that if, if, if as a High Priestess, if you and I as tarot readers are High Priestesses, and we offer, instead of advice and counsel, we offer comfort. We're not doing our job. And we can offer advice in a compassionate way in, and in an empathetic way. But once we start offering that, that advice sympathetically, we slide into the empress. And we start making them feel better other, rather than giving them the tools that they can use to make their lives better. So, yeah, it's an interesting little, it's a short trip to go from those two women, you know? Yeah, and I think, well, it just depends on where, where you're archetypally seated yourself. Um, the sort of a real-life manifestation of a priestess, not, it's like the high priestess is one thing, the empress is another. I, I can certainly see a place in regular life for um, a, particularly a woman, but a, a feminine character, a person who is um, tasked with holding sacred space, of actually being either with a church or outside of a church, you know, being the purveyor, you know, holding sacred space. And you can be both the empress mother character as well as the priestess. It's that, mm -hmm. it's what, what is coming from within you. Like for myself, I feel way more like an empress most of the time than I would, you know, the, the high priestess. It, it sort of pops in and out. Um, yeah. But being an officiant for weddings and ceremonies, I, and I talked with Rash about this. That is something that's always been with me. I started doing weddings in my 20s, which was, you know, frankly, a little weird in the early 90s. It wasn't done. We're in a different time now. But that uh, responsibility to hold that space, to kind of have that like warm embracing part, but also to take things, to give things the honor that they deserve in terms of what a ceremony is and and mm -hmm. to be the person it can be like we're here now we're Please. doing this thing you know and she used to be called the popess i mean that's yeah. not nothing uh, i think that i'm i'm different from you in that i think that i used to live in the empress every time i gave a reading um every and i've been doing this for 30 years so this is like 15 years ago and i remember driving away from a reading and i was just soggy with the other person's emotions and i was sobbing on the side of the highway trying to call my reiki buddy to get it off of me and i was like i can't do this anymore because i was so i mean ex-social worker hello um i'm like a bleeding yeah. literally walking around <laughs> on feet. i can't function 
as a good re I can't function as a good reader if I am in the Empress. I can only do it if I am in the High Priestess because I am just, I'm kind of like a Vulcan in that I have so many emotions that if I bring them all to the table in a reading, I'll drown. And yeah. if I grab the other person's emotions in a reading, I'll drown with them. And my job is to throw them a lifeline and not to drown with them. So it helps me clarify my role, um, finally accepting the high priestess as, as kind of my, like a couple of years ago, somebody was like, what's your favorite card? And I'm like, I don't have one. And my husband's like, it's the high priestess dummy. <laughs> he was absolutely right. But I, it took me a really long time to accept that I could have that, like you said, that responsibility. And I was keeping sacred space for people in, in the middle of a reading that I was holding myself out of that space, you know, so that they could go through the journey themselves because you're stronger when you do it yourself, you know, and it kept me from over emoting and over connecting and walking away from readings with my fucking heart broken every time, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think you really kind of hit, hit on the most important and most frustrating part about the high priestess. So if in the, in the linear function, we've, we've just met the magician, you know, if we're on that little journey and then the, the high priestess, the most important and most difficult is you are going to have to find it in yourself. Mm -hmm. Like it's not going to mean shit unless you have really come to that. Yeah. You know, you read a book, get told this, that, but it's just mm -hmm. like the high priestess, a tarot reader. And, and, and again, there's like boundaries have to be present, but it's, what are those boundaries for to hold concentrated sacred space for that person, for them to get what they need and, and whether they get it or not in, in a certain way, doesn't have to matter to the person mm -hmm. holding the space. Right. Because and they can't control what that person's going to take in. Yeah. I had, I had a conversation with someone um, a couple of weeks ago about this and um, they, I, I posted something on Instagram about how, um, a, a truth about your, I can't remember what it was, something very deep and profound, I'm quite sure. Um, but she said, I wish that I'd listened to this 10 years ago, if which I'd known this. I said, honey, if I had told you this 10 years ago, you wouldn't have been ready to hear it. And she said, fuck you, you're right. So you have to, if someone had told me 15 years ago, you are the high priestess. Okay. I don't know what that means really, but thanks. That's nice. Um, but I wasn't ready to hear it until I was what 42 and and even now it kind of makes me a little uncomfortable because it seems presumptuous but I had to be ready to look inside and actually say you know what yeah that's my job this is what I do this is who I am um, and I tell the same thing to my clients if I can tell you this forever but until you believe it, it doesn't make a difference at all yeah. So I tell them oftentimes, I will have faith in you until you do. I will light a candle for you and for your intent so that it gets higher and stronger. And I will hold faith in you until you're able to do that. That I can do. I can't have faith in people. But what I can't do is carry their emotional burden for them and find the way out of that cave that they've, they've wandered into. I can't do that. And it kind of sucks, but that's not my job, you know? <laughs> that is about as high priestess as it gets woman i'm just sitting here listening she's all boom i'm out mike well, you know, i have been doing this for some time i know uh, you have you have but i think like, 
this is hard one stuff. This is not shit that I, I wandered into when I was flinging cars in college for pot money. This is not like, I think that, that this is something that you have to learn through hard knocks, you know? Yeah, I'm finally here. But the important part is after I see the truth and after the high priestess is here, then what, you know, then where do I go? Then I learn how to take better care of myself. I slide into the Empress for myself. And after I'm finished, you know, being Agra or whoever, <laughs> then I can like snuggle up on my couch with my kids and be a mom and take that hat off. And it's an easy transition now because I know that the clothes that I wear for the Empress are not for my clients. Those are at home. And the hat that I wear as a high priestess is not appropriate for my family because that first of all, they would roll their eyes at me and laugh, but also it's, it's just not something that I use in my day to day. So, so the difference between these two cards is kind of going and seeking and asking respectfully and being a mom or being a lover or being a friend and just talking shit and having a, having a normal day, you know, because if you look at their surroundings, one of them sitting on cushions near the grass next to a waterfall and the other one is on a throne between two stone pillars in front of a, a hanging. I mean, this is ceremony, you know? Uh, so there, the, the degree of ceremony between the two women is so vastly different. And the tools that they have are different. One of them has a scroll. The other one's got a pretty little wand and a, a crown of stars. And she has just as much credibility and intelligence and insight as a high priestess, but she's not using it that day. Yeah. With her pretty wand being comfy on her cushions. Yes. I think it would be very difficult to embody the HP, you know, 24 seven. We right? don't see a lot of people in, in the real world. Um, I will, here's an interesting combo of, of those. And, and Rash and I talked about this and I think Sindara and I did too, at least in the first podcast we ever did years ago about the high priestess, the Oracle in the woman who was the Oracle in the matrix Mm -hmm. first matrix movie now I she was both because she is a cookie baking she's a grandma she's sitting in her in her, her kitchen smoking cigarettes and baking cookies right and yet at the same time she embodied that like oh i know you are coming right. to me and i know it all and haha if you think i'm just going to hand it to you in a big you know right. i'm going to hand you a binder she's just like no you have to go in and find out and i'm right she's creating that space and kind of given given a blessing like the priestess gives blessing. It you know it has that faith that lights the candles, but it's the work is still done by the the supplicant, the person who's coming and showing up. So right, and don't worry about the face you're about to break. You know? Exactly, and I or the kid I bending that, the spoon with their mind. Yeah. I think that it's like like um, my friend Terry Aikizo wrote this great book called Small Mediums at Large, and she talked about her mother like talking to the girls in the neighborhood in New York, like this Italian mother smoking and cooking and like telling people here's what's going to happen like with playing cards right mm -hmm. and she's balancing that role beautifully isn't that the world you know yeah isn't that, like the the goal is to to kind of change hats as you want you know and i have glimpses of that after all of this time where i'll sit with a friend and i'll be talking with them about their life and suddenly i know that i'm reading them and i'll stop and say I'm getting some stuff. And do you want me to talk about this? Whereas before I would have just run my fucking mouth like an idiot. And if they say yes, I'll, I'll pull out my cards and, and create that little area between us and use my cards to tell what's already coming to me. 
and and it's not seamless and it's not easy and it's not something that I, I could recognize five years ago. But I think that we get there with time and with practice. You know, we learn how to how to seamlessly move between because it is tiring and it is hard. And uh, I used to I used to work for California psychics. And when I did, I would be reading for seven hours at a time and I would be a complete mess afterwards. Completely. I had stopped doing it. Some people can. And that's a level of I'm going to say artistry, you know, yeah. where where you just get so into the flow that the flow goes through you and around you, but not of you. You know, goals, right? Hashtag goals. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If I, I'll tell you one thing. If I ever know everything there is to know about the high priestess, I'm dead on the ground. I'm done. <laughs> because yeah. it, I keep learning more stuff as I get older. So my, my thought for, yeah, we'll never know everything about everything and the high priestess especially um what my thoughts are right now for what frankly you know it's it's april of 2018 um the i'm one and this is i don't know that you'll have an answer it's one of those i come to the high priestess i don't know that you'll have an answer maybe it's a conversation well because this is a very specific strong um archetypal stage that does require you know the the dropping of your artifice the getting to the real thing what Mm -hmm. what is the high priestess place for what i see as just absolute insanity you know and hope i hope and pray we're at the end of the cycle of chaos um but i don't know that i don't have any inklings i know it's definitely not over Mm -mm. what i think we have another year and a half of crazy pants um what I think is going on like uh, with my high priestess crown firmly in my head. Uh, I think that there has been a lot like the last since, you know, since Dr. King, um, there's been a lot of, and now racism is all better and poverty is all better. And there's nothing, we don't have to worry about anything. And there's been a lot of people going, those people, you know, and um, looking at all the ills in the world as people, people cause instead of systemic problems. Um, and now that we have video phones, right, I think that that's the, that was the, the key to this transformation that we're getting into. Uh, you can't hide anymore. And that sneaky racism is not so sneaky anymore. And, um, and not just that, but treating people like things, right, which is, is as Terry Pratchett said, the, the root of all sin is treating people like things. And now that the internet exists and phones exist and we can all see each other clearly, all the ugliness that was hiding has been stripped bare and we can see it. And I think the high priestess definitely has a hand in that because she is showing us ourselves and she is holding up a mirror and saying, look at this ugliness. What are you going to do about it? How do you respond? Yeah. It's been, it's been sitting here. You've ignored it. You've said not in my backyard. You've said all lives matter, ignoring the bleeding men in front of you, the black men that, that are dying at a higher rate than anybody else in our prison at a higher rate than anybody else in this country. And, and now what are you going to do about it? Because you see it now. You can't ignore it. You can't walk away. What are you going to do about it? And I think that we are trying to answer that. I think that's the next step is we're trying to figure out what we're going to do about it. And we all have different ideas. And um, I, think, I think that the good guys will win. 
because I think that the bad guys will go start seeing that they're actually good guys and they need to shift their thinking. I hope, right? Idealistic, but fuck it, that's me. But I think that we're all looking into a mirror right now and not all of us like what we see and it's causing a lot of rage and anger and frustration that the promises made if you were middle class and white and male, the promises that you could keep the same job for your life and retire on those benefits and your family would be fine and everything would be fine. That's not true. And so who do you blame? Who did that to you? Who's the victim? Well, you've got news people telling you exactly who to blame, strangers or brown people or whatever. And so you grab onto that. Well, that's not going to hold for long because everyone can see everything now. So what are you going to do? And I think that's, that's the question that we're being asked as a, as a country right now. What are we going to do? And it's very scary to look at yourself. And not yeah, really there's, there's a ton of identity. It's yeah. It, huge i mean the I, the word that gets identity politics and i'm like um, yeah. uh yeah but it's bigger than that <laughs> it's 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 something that you were not taught or even got an inkling of that this would ever happen that your yeah. your identity of who you are is actually a construct to begin with right. but and that that's that's conceptual so i think maybe the hp is yeah it's the the illusions that that we've all had have to go away. And that I think we're maybe, I don't know, Empress or a version of HP, but we're all connected, mm -hmm. you know, because this is happening to other people. It does affect, it does affect us. And we are all, and I think the, the word that a lot of conservative uses responsible, you know, be responsible. The word responsible means, are you able to respond? So there's, if we can just move it away from the judgment, which I think gets tied up in identity, but just go, okay, so this is happening. How do we respond? What is, what is it that you can do to respond? And I think that's how people find their true identity is yeah. that simple response to go, that sucks. That's terrible. That would piss me off too. Right. Um, rather than I'm this and I'm only this and it's tied up with, you know, what I have or whatever. Yeah, and I yeah, action. I think that it's very widespread because a lot of people in the in the cracks of society, like the marginalized folks, everybody's kind of up at, in a target right now. Everybody, and I think that that's on purpose. I think that that's kind of the universe's way of saying, "But your your cousin is gay, and your friend is trans, and you, the guy that you like at work is black." So, are you really thinking this? Is this really a thought that you can carry having that connection in your family? or in your life, or in your heart, because you can't, you can't distance yourself from Bob at the copy machine, you know, and you can't make it go away, and you can't ignore it if, if his safety, or his, his well-being is being threatened, and I, I think that's why every group that is other is being kind of lifted up right now, so that we can all, everybody, say, well, wait a minute, that's, that's not right, you know, yeah, and that's, that, Immigrants should be deported. I didn't mean the guy who's been in my community as a doctor for 20 years. I didn't mean him. But now what are you going to do? Yeah. I like, that. I like that. I think I think that's a good that's a good place. I know I have to keep these conversations short. I know you and I could be like for another hour. We have. We and do this for hours. I know. I know. I know. I know. This has been, um, it's been lovely. I love you. I love you. We have to talk again soon. I'm, my next book's coming out in February. 
it's called Tarot Elements, Five Readings to Reset Your Life. And it's basically using the alchemical symbols for earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. I have designed five readings that are very, very simple and actually kind of mirror each other um, to look at your home, mind, body, heart, and soul. What is it about that thing that is busted? How do I fix it? And how do I move on from right here, who I am right now? And it's kind of about forgiving the past and not freaking about the future until we get the present fixed. Thanks for listening. We know you could have done something else with the last, oh, I don't know, two hours of your life, but we're so glad you spent it with us. And be sure to check out our guests, Rash at staywoketarot.com and Melissa at littlefoxtarot.com. And follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Let us know what you thought of the show. If you have questions, comments, whatever, we would love to hear from you. And if you'd like to become one of our most favorite people in the world, become a patron. Just visit tiny.cc slash tarot and you too could be like these awesome humans, Richard, Sarah, Talia, Hillary, Peter, Rash, Christine, Kat, Allie, Geneva, and Yvonne. Thank you guys. You make us smile every day. The show is produced by Both And Media and our theme music is by The Lunar Group. Until next time. Aloha.